Our reading is from Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of Christ. Thank you, Carol. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for these words, uh, these words that were written for others, uh, but also words that were written for each of us. And we pray you'd help us to, to see them that way as we look at them now. Please work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is a special day today as we've celebrated uh, Kate's baptism. And the promises that Brian and Cass and Andrew and Lauren uh, made today and even the promises that, that we made reflect a desire to help Kate uh, hear God's voice as she grows up. And listening to God's voice is, is not an easy thing in this world because there are many other voices calling out. Uh, let me read you this quote on the, on the different voices that speak to us. The voice of appetite says, be sensuous, enjoy yourself. The voice of education says, be resourceful, expand yourself. The voice of materialism says, be satisfied, please yourself. The voice of psychology says, be confident, fulfill yourself. The voice of pride says, be superior, promote yourself. The voice of humanism says, be capable, believe in yourself. But the voice of God says, be wise, humble yourself. And the passage we're, we're looking at this morning really picks up on this idea of humbling ourselves. Uh, look at the very last verse of the passage, verse 14. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's the point that Jesus is making this morning. Uh, now most of the voices in the world tell us the opposite, exalt yourself. And so it's important that we, we take time to consider the merit of what Jesus says here. Now this passage breaks up nicely into three parts. We see two people, two prayers, and two paths. So firstly, two people. Uh, verse 10, two people went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And these two men couldn't be more different. The first is a Pharisee. Uh, and over the years... Uh, Christians in, in general have come to view Pharisees uh, pretty negatively because Jesus always seemed to be challenging them and, and condemning the way they went about their business. 
But we should bear in mind that in their day, when it came to religion, that the Pharisees were the poster boys of Jewish society. If you had a son back then, you would love for him to grow up to be like a Pharisee. If you had a daughter, you would love for her to marry a Pharisee. They were highly respected because people saw that they took God's law seriously. And in fact, Jesus had a lot in common with the Pharisees. Uh, He had more in common with them than he did with the average Jew in the first century because they both affirmed the existence of angels and the resurrection and they both taught from the whole Old Testament. These guys were in in many ways the backbone of Jewish society. They were hardworking, they they didn't want to break God's laws, they were highly respected and so we we should have those things in mind as we see uh, the Pharisees, the Pharisee. Uh, the second man is a tax collector, and tax collectors in, in Jewish society were widely hated. It's hard for us to really appreciate how much disdain that people would have had for them. It was, most, it was the most frowned upon of professions. One reason was their approach, uh, because many of these men were absolute crooks. They, they were happy to extort people, to, to rip them off, and that left a, a bitter taste uh, for many Jews. There was something else that made them even more hated because these were Jewish people who were ripping off fellow Jews, collecting taxes and giving those taxes to the Romans, the very people who were oppressing the Jews. It's like they were working for the enemy. So you can see why people hated them so much. Uh, You'd you'd struggle to find a more hated profession at that time. So you've got these, these two men with very different standings in society. Uh, Maybe it would be the equivalent of of two people walking into St. Stephen's on a Sunday. Uh, Just picture it. One one person is respected. Their their peers respect them. Uh, Those younger than them look up to them. Those older than them are proud of them. They are very generous, very willing to help people in need. Uh, The other is a known criminal, uh, a drug dealer who has a violent history and who has caused much harm to others in the community. Now, the kind of people, that's the kind of person you'd, you'd happily cross the street to avoid. Now, most of us would have our own assumptions about, uh, about these two people, and we'd assume one was more likely, let's say, to be accepted by God than the other. Now, as Jesus is speaking to the crowds, it's, it's those kind of assumptions that they would have had about these two men, the Pharisee and the tax collector, because they are chalk and cheese. Pharisee is respectable, the tax collector is not. And if you had asked any Jew at the time which of the two they thought would have a right standing with God, uh, they would tell you it's a no-brainer, it's the Pharisee. So two people. And then we come to the two prayers. And and we'll start with the Pharisee's prayer. We notice three things about this prayer. Firstly, his prayer is self-centred. In our reading it said he prayed about himself. Or some of your Bibles might say he prayed to himself. Uh, and either way, it's all about him. There is very little for God, uh, very little room for God in these prayers. And one of the things uh, I've enjoyed re- reading over the years is autobiographies because uh, they give you an idea of a person's life from their point of view. And it's often an insight that you wouldn't have otherwise known. Now, as this Pharisee stands up, This is his point of view. It's as if he's reading out his own autobiography. 
blowing his horn. This is how he sees things. Now the second thing we notice is that he prays, uh, the way he prays, he, he plays the comparison game. And this is a game that people often play. He chooses some people who in his eyes are much worse than him, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and and for good measure, he adds in the tax collector who he's spotted at the back of the temple. And by choosing the the lowest people in his mind, he makes himself look quite good. Now this is a game we're all very good at playing. We, We can all think of people whose sin is far worse than any of ours, far more obvious than ours. You only need to read the news and you'll find plenty of people who fit the bill. We think of criminals, we we think of people who are rude, we think of people who are arrogant, who's uh, people who are worse Christians than us. We think of people who struggle with the things that we don't struggle with. And as long as we set the bar quite low, the comparison game is very easy. And the Pharisee has mastered this game. When we compare ourselves to others, there's no doubt that we, we can make ourselves look quite good. But the problem for the Pharisee and for us, uh, if we're tempted to do a similar thing, is that God sees through it. He doesn't use our standards to determine whether we're right in his eyes. As we'll see, his, his standards are very different. So the Pharisee is, is playing the comparison game and he's feeling pretty good. But notice he does something else as well. Verse 12. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. As if comparing isn't enough, he he likes counting as well. And he counts up all that he's done above and beyond what's expected of him. See, in the law that God gave his people all those years ago, they were only required to fast once a year. But the Pharisee points out the fact that he does it twice a week, way beyond what's required. Uh, The other thing the Pharisee does is he tithes. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with that concept, tithe basically means a tenth or or 10%. And simply put, God's people were were required to give 10% of their income back to God. The idea being God has blessed you, so you give back to him a portion of what he has blessed you with. It didn't matter if you were the richest man at the time or, or the poorest. It was a tenth for all of them. Now the Pharisee, he tithed 10% of everything he gets. And I think that the point here, it's not just his income. It was all he got, the things he he bought as well. You can picture him giving away a tenth of everything. He he buys a a new shirt and he'd probably chop off one tenth of it to give it back to God. That's that's the original crop top. (laughs) All, All to be able to show how committed to God he was. And it would be the same with with everything he gets, all all the food he buys and so on. This was a man who was willing to go above and beyond. And that's what his relationship to God was was based on. Imagine those old school scales with with the weight on each side. He sees these things that he he goes out of his way to do as kind of tipping the scales in his favour. Never mind all the parts of of God's word that he ignores. Never mind all his sin that hasn't been dealt with. He justifies it all by pointing out these good things that he has done. And that's a mistake that any of us can make. It's easy to fall into that trap of thinking, if I just go the extra mile in in this one area or, or two areas, then I'll be fine. I don't need to worry about sin. 
or the other areas of life where I really do struggle. Uh, maybe we think I'm a, I'm a very honest person and I, I always do what's right by others. And that means if I don't always do what's right by God, well, that's okay. If I ignore him from time to time, it's no big deal. I'll just focus on, on the good things I do. Or maybe we think, I'm a, I'm a really good driver, I'm, I'm very safe, I always keep to the speed limit. And I even stay that, that little bit below it, just because I like to go the extra mile. So that means it's okay for me to have a bit of road rage and, and kind of lash out when someone drives in a way that annoys me. Or maybe for us we do all the, the Christian things. We're, we're in the Bible study, we're at the prayer meetings, we're here on a Sunday. We serve in different ways. And we think that puts us in, in pretty good standing with God, even though we're not dealing with the sin in our lives. We're looking past the, the anger issues, the rudeness to others, the harshness towards those we love, the selfishness, and so on. Uh, I hope you're able to see through the, the Pharisees' approach here. Going above and beyond in some areas as if God doesn't see everything in our lives. Well, that's the first prayer. Uh, the second is that of the tax collector, and it's a, a very short prayer. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or, or more literally, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Uh, we notice two things about his prayer. Firstly, that the location where his prayer comes from. He's, he's standing at a distance. Not like the Pharisee, who was very confident. Uh, in the temple, the, the Pharisee would have been right up at the front, the front row where almost no Anglican has gone before. <laughs> but, but the tax collector, this, this man is, is sheepish. He doesn't even look up when he prays. He simply beats his chest and is honest with God. God, have mercy on me, the sinner. He knows what he is. He doesn't try and deceive himself. He doesn't try and deceive God. He knows that he has fallen well short of God's perfect standards. He knows that the punishment for sin is death, eternity under God's judgment. That's what the Bible teaches. And so he does the only thing that someone in that position can do. He asks God to show him mercy. And where this is taking place is significant. He's in the temple, which is the place where God's people went to meet with him. <coughs> the place where sacrifices were made for sin, where sin was paid for. And what took place at the temple back then pointed to what God would one day do through Jesus in providing the sacrifice for all of our sin. And we know that happened as, as Jesus went to the cross. That's where Jesus was heading in, in this part of Luke's gospel, going to die for your sin and for mine so that God could be merciful to us all. Now, we don't need a temple to, to find mercy these days. We, we go straight to Jesus. Uh, and I pray that something you're able to do uh, if you haven't done that because not everyone does it. Now, one final thing to, to notice about the tax collector's prayer. Notice that he has the humility to admit that he needs God's help. <coughs> uh, as I'm sure you'll all know, that's no easy thing to do, to admit that you need God's help. Uh, the idea of needing help of someone else doesn't sit well with a lot of us. 
We love doing things ourselves, as the saying goes, DIY is in our DNA. And asking, for God, uh, asking God for mercy is, is admitting that we can't help ourselves. We can't deal with our sin. We, we can't deal with the consequences. We need God to step in for us. It's very hard to ask God for mercy. And we only need to look at the Pharisee to see that. A man who was highly respected in, in religious circles, who knew much about God, but was unable to see his need for mercy. May that be a, a warning for each of us. So two people, two prayers, and, and finally, two paths. Verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you that this man, meaning the, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. See, this is where Jesus would have shattered the expectations of, of the crowd that he was speaking with. Because only, only one man was right with God. Only one was on the right path. And the surprise is uh, one which, if we're not careful, will, will catch many of us out in life. The Pharisee had, had created his own standards, and he met those standards very nicely. The problem is they weren't God's standards, and he hadn't realized he was on the wrong path. That's Jesus' point in, in verse 14. It's never a, a popular thing to tell people they're on the wrong path these days. It's okay for someone to, to come to that realization or, or that assessment themselves, but to tell others that they're on the wrong path is offensive. That's something that Jesus doesn't shy away from. Uh, and as we share the good news of Jesus, when we, see, when we see that something doesn't add up, it's something that we mustn't shy away from either. We don't need more Pharisees, uh, more people like the crowds, only affirming the good that we do never challenging sin. It's not enough for us to just focus on the positives. But sadly, that is what some people do. <coughs> some people believe that a good God will reward nice people for doing their best. But the question that we need to ask is, if that was true, then why was Jesus heading to the cross? He wasn't there for, for nice people or people who think they're better than most. He was there for people who need God's mercy, people like us, the perfect one for the sinful many. So we have two paths, uh, one where God will exalt us, honour us as we join Jesus for eternity, the other where God will humble us, where we will, we will experience the terrible judgment of God. And you might wonder, why did Jesus need to make this point? And as we look back at, at verse 9, right at the beginning of the passage, uh, it says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. And that is what the crowds were like. That's what many of us can be like. Uh, when I read this passage last week, I, I thought to myself, this is a passage that would be good for others to hear. And how God has humbled me this week and reminded me that I'm more like the, Phar the Pharisee than I'd care to admit. Now, whether you would call yourself a, a Christian or not, it's worth considering wh which of these two paths are you on. We can appear to do all the right things and, and be on a very wrong path, or we might appear far from God in, in the eyes of others, but actually be on the right path. We'll either be those who try and justify ourselves or those who are justified by God. 
We'll either be those who humble ourselves before God or who will one day be humbled by him. The warning signs are, are there, aren't they? Comparing yourself to those who you believe are worse than you, feeling the need to count all the, the good you've done so as to outweigh the bad, forgetting your need for God's mercy. That's two people, two prayers, two paths. I wonder which of those two people, uh, those two things sound most like you. Make yourself nothing and God will make you something. There are many voices we can listen to. Now here is God's voice. Are you listening? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you'd help us to remember that, that we really have no right to come before you. And, and yet you are a God who is willing to show us mercy if we would simply ask for it. Please would you give us the humility to do that. Help us not to trust in ourselves and the things we've done, but to see our need for you. And God, you know the areas of our lives where we've been self-reliant, where we've been ignoring our need to call out for mercy, where we've failed to seek your help. So Father, please would you forgive us as you've promised to do in Jesus and help us to depend on him once again. In his name we pray. Amen.